0: Welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. Okay, welcome back. Today is part two of our neuropathy workshop for patients that we presented at one of our LTI clinics. You can go back in the notes to find part one before starting this part. So we've been talking a lot about causes, a lot about symptoms, kind of how this whole thing works. Let's take a step back for just a minute. Let's just talk about progression of disease. All right, if you have a disease and it starts here and goes this way and it ends here, what happens at the end? You die. That's the answer I get every time. Let's get positive or you're healed, right? (laughs) What about neuropathy? Is it easier to catch it and fix it here or here? earlier on, all right? So the sooner we get into some of this stuff, we can figure out the cause, what's happening what's happened to kind of create the problem, we can start doing the repair. The quicker and the easier it'll be. That's another reason why I'm really passionate about doing stuff like this. Because most people have been told There's nothing you can do, and they've been just moving right along this timeline, and by the time I finally get to them, they might be all the way over here, and then we've got a real fight. I'd rather see you right here (laughs) so we can just get it taken care of right away. Okay, so dealing with neuropathy. First things first, you gotta know a diagnosis. Talked about that already a little bit, right? If you don't know the cause, you're not gonna be right on with your solution. You might have something ongoing, some ongoing problem that continues to create more nerve damage. If you don't address that, no matter what you do for treatment, you're not gonna be successful. Now, the testing for that. A lot of times, we're talking about some blood work. Sometimes we're talking about some imaging, x-ray, MRI, to see if we have a spinal problem that's creating an issue. Sometimes we're talking about an EMG. Has anybody had an EMG? Nerve conduction study, NCV is another word. Okay, well, may have. may have. Did they stab needles into your, into your legs and bottom of the feet? For a full nerve conduction study, they'll jab needles into you all the way down All the way down, and then they'll run electricity through them to see. (laughs) Yeah, does it sound like torture? Yet Um, they'll run electricity through them to see where the nerve damage really kind of starts, right? Because if it starts way up here, well, then doing anything down here is not going to really do you any good. But at the same time, if if you're not having any problems until you get way down the leg, that tells us a little bit more. That's not one I like to order very much, unless we just have to. But that is another pretty common one. Sometimes they'll do a biopsy. They'll take a chunk of skin off the out of the foot or off the hand and then they'll like actually count and, and measure the nerves in there and see what those are like. Has anybody had a biopsy for neuropathy? Okay, all right. It's, it's not super fun, but it's not the worst. It's probably not as bad as the, the, the EMG there. But part of that is kind of figuring out, you know, status wise, like this is our, this is Elizabeth, our nurse practitioner here, actually measuring like how, how far up do those symptoms go? So we have a kind of a baseline for where things are at. So we can establish, is it getting worse? Is it getting better? We've got to have the testing to know because like I said before with a vitamin deficiency, that's real simple. You start right there, you can end right there a lot of times. Sometimes we have to keep going through some of those tests. We have to know where this is coming from, what's created it, what's causing it. And then you have to decide once you've got an answer, are we talking about treatment or not? Is there a treatment that we're going to be trying to pursue for whatever's caused this or not? Now your conventional treatments. First, Still, even with conventional, you wanna correct the problem. If they tell you you have diabetes and you have diabetic neuropathy, what do they want you to do? They want you to handle your diet and maybe take some medications to handle the sugars, right? That's, that's trying to correct the cause. Again, we don't really do a great job right now in US healthcare of figuring out what that cause might be, but that's, that should be the first thing, is stopping whatever that cause is, correcting that if it's something that's ongoing. The next step, for most of the conventional therapies is medications. So they typically will recommend starting with Lyrica. They can also go with Gabapentin. Um, That's one I see the most actually around here is is Gabapentin prescribed pretty frequently. Neurontin was the brand name for that one. Uh, And then they'll usually, uh, if it's pretty severe, they'll throw in an opioid medication as well. And then many, many times they'll also include antidepressants. So um, Gabapentin pentin um, pregabalin as well, uh, Lyrica. Those are nervous system suppressants. They kind of just do one of these to, to your nervings, right? So you just can't feel as much. Does that probably have some problems elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. Are there side effects? Absolutely. How about side effects with this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We're gonna, I'm gonna get on a little bit of a soapbox here in a few minutes on the opioids. You have to excuse me, but I just, I can't, can't stay away from it. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Now this one, this one is, yes, ma'am. Why are antidepressants recommended for neuropathy? Because a lot of times they actually do help with some of the pain. They can help to suppress some of the pain, but then also, yeah, because it's nerve-related pain, you know, rather than a, it's not even necessarily always for depression. Um, many times they'll, they'll give you an antidepressant because it has an effect on the nervous system and the nervous system is the one that's sending you those pain signals, so it helps to cover up some of the pain signals. It can also involve depression. I mean, if you've just been told that you have a lifelong progressive disorder where you're just gonna slowly feel less and less and feel more and more pain, that's a little depressing, right, uh, so, so sometimes it, it's both, sometimes it's both. Now, the last one on here is IVIG. Who's heard of that one? Anybody? Okay, IVIG is actually pretty cool. We'll talk about that here in just a minute, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna soapbox you for just a second here because um, I just really have some issues with this stuff. So medications, medications are the most commonly administered treatment for neuropathy, right? They can reduce some of the symptoms. They always have side effects. They don't actually resolve or usually even stop the progression of neuropathy. There is a cost to them that can be pretty substantial. Now, a lot of times people go, oh, my insurance covers it. My insurance covers it. Your insurance covers your, this is, this is what we're all paying for right now. 3,200 bucks a month for Lyrica. That's just a self-pay rate. I don't know what the insurance pays because they won't tell us. All right, we're all paying for this somehow. Now there's still, even with a, with a FDA approved medication, a one in five chance of causing, causing a serious reaction. Um, anybody ever take Darvocet? It's a really, really weak opioid. Really, really weak. It was on the market for like 50 some years. Yeah, I had it. I sanded off part of the skin on the back of my hand. They gave me some Darvacet. It's pretty rough. Anyway, this thing was on the market for like 50 years. Anybody know why it's off the market now? Because it was causing heart failure. And they knew it and kept it on the market for another 20 years. They knew it. It was outlawed in Europe. Guess what we did here? Ah, we'll be all right. (laughs) So when it comes to medications and whether or not those are really a good way to go, I'm usually gonna say, that's probably not the best way for us to go. If we can avoid the medication route, that's gonna be better. Uh, right now we're tracking about 128,000 deaths per year, which is the same as strokes, due to medications. Before I get into some of the problems with antidepressants, um, there's, there's significant issues with opioids, right? We, we consume almost 90% of all the opioids used in the world and we're not even 5% of the world population here in the US. That's a problem. That's a major problem. And not that you just need to be in pain, but opioids have been given out out way too freely. And now they're trying to reel that back in because it's been ridiculous. And so now we have even more of a problem with heroin. Because if your doctor won't give you any more of the opioid medication to control your pain, it's not that you need to get high, it's that you need to be not miserable and non-functional. Because once you go into an opioid withdrawal, The symptoms are just horrific, horrific. So is it cheaper to go out there and find your prescription, your Oxycontin, or is it cheaper to get heroin? Way cheaper, way cheaper to get heroin. So now we have, we might be having a few less prescriptions that are written for opioids, but our heroin deaths are skyrocketing. And a lot of the times that starts in the doctor's office on the prescription pad. You can be hooked in as little as three days, depending on your genetic makeup. Three days, and there's no way to know till you're already into it. Yeah, yeah and there, there certainly are cases. I don't mean to say that there's never a time for an opioid, it's a good thing we have them for some really severe, but there are certainly times where we really shouldn't be using them. Yeah, it's been a problem for a long time. And again, I'm not trying to rag on your doctors. You know who pushed that? You know who pushed all that opioid stuff? Was the pharmaceutical reps, they said, These aren't addictive. Your patients are gonna love them. Your your patients deserve to be out of pain. Don't let your patients be in pain, give them these. Yep, because once the person's hooked, well guess what they have? We have this other medication that'll help with the addiction. (laughs) Seriously? Okay, so we're gonna run through some of these um, antidepressants here. Antidepressants have been shown, not proven, but shown to increase violent behavior. What have we seen a big uptick in uh, potentially in the last few years? So mass shootings. Most of those shooters have been on one of these. That's not normal activity. I already mentioned a little bit of the opioid stuff, but in uh, 2017 we had more than 70,000 people die from opioid-related causes. That's greater per capita than every other country in the US, or every other country in the world, and that's more than in 20 years of the Vietnam War. That was just 2017. You think 2018 was any better? No. No. Opioids are now the leading cause of death for Americans under the age of 50. So the most likely thing to kill me is an opioid. So let's talk about something a little bit better, a little bit more hopeful. This is IVIG, all right? So this is intravenous immunoglobulin therapy. Now what that is, is a a blood product. It's prepared from a bunch of different donors. So they can take some of these antibodies, proper antibodies from healthy donors Um, and they can actually do an infusion for somebody who can't produce the right antibodies. So some of the autoimmune disorders especially really fall into this one and some of the inflammatory disorders fall into this one. Because if you can inject, if you can get some of the correct antibodies, then it will do an immunomodulatory action, meaning that it kind of balances out the immune system so it prevents you from having that continuous irritation. Yes, ma'am. So is that like a proton treatment? Because I have friends that have cancer. Yeah. They, have a, they get a proton infusion to be, okay. You know, really immune system. Has. It might be. I'm not really familiar with that term. It might be, yeah. And it, it can be very, very good. It can be very, very useful for helping the immune system be at the right level. Uh, the The problem is um, it only has a, a short-term effect. You have to have one like every month, typically, of these for it to continue to go because it doesn't really fix the problem with the immune system. It doesn't fix that inflammatory problem. It just kind of, it kind of bounces out for a little bit until you're until those antibodies get kind of filtered out. So then you have to have that repetitively. But they've seen good results with Guillain-Barre and chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. Anybody know about that one? CIDP? CIDPN, actually, um, is something that my father-in-law was diagnosed with. That's where you have this chronic inflammatory process that specifically targets insulation around the nerves. So it's a different type of neuropathy, but it's it's more rare. So really this IVIG product can be very, very good. The, the thing is it can be very costly. Sometimes insurance doesn't wanna cover it. Um, and then you have to go and have that infusion done typically every month until either the problem is resolved or, or you just have to keep going. If it's an autoimmune disorder. Yeah, yep, yep. And, and that gets hard for the insurance to swallow after five, six, seven, 12 of those. So hopefully it will get cheaper and more available because it really is a good therapy to have done. But we're still kind of limited on the evidence, so we'll we'll see how it goes here. Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. Find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you are a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening.